0: Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. However, wherever, whenever you're listening, this is the Root for Wisconsin show, episode 106, coming at you from the Mina True Value and Riverwood Gallery Studio in De Pere, Wisconsin. Also coming at you from Sean's living room because Sean is joining us by Skype tonight. So just me and Sean tonight, members of the Highway 22 crew. I'm Eric Fisher, the Biggie, host okay. producer. <laughs> what? forgot your last name there no i was just i was just trying to figure out how i want to segue i want to do the whole name so eric fisher biggie host and producer editor commander whatever you want to say i do it
1: boss man
0: and that's the one that i uh, yeah (laughs) we'll say it is what it is also joining me as you've heard already sean Klosterman, member of the highway 22 crew sean how you doing this week
1: doing good how are you
0: fantastic Couple things that I have housekeeping to touch on before we get in the episode here. Uh, first and foremost, thank you to everyone who's donated to our Polar Plunge efforts. We have officially crossed the threshold where Sean and I get to jump on a Saturday. Now, with that in mind, we are still going to continue looking for donations because we did set a, a lofty goal of $500. We still want to try to hit that. So, few days left to donate yet. So, if you can afford to do so and choose to, all proceeds go to Special Olympics Wisconsin. A uh, really cool moment I had l- uh, last week, Sean, and I think I texted you about this. Yep, I was here. driving home from the radio station on Thursday, or Friday, uh, yeah, Thursday, and one of these Special Olympics athletes called me to thank me for captaining a team and asking how many times I've done the Polar Plunge, and really cool moment that I they've never done before, and if they have, I haven't gotten that phone call. Confused the heck out of me, because it was a call from Oshkosh, and I'm like, I don't The only couple people I know in Hashkash are like, you know, I have their numbers. So I decided to pick it up instead of letting it go to voicemail. Just, you know, figured it was a scam call. Asked about my extended warranty or something. Right. And then it was was a very nice conversation. So I was in my car. I'm like, yeah, I got nothing else better to do. Took the call and had a great conversation. Very glad I took the call. So uh, very happy to be participating. Thank you to the donors who have given. Um, and again, we hope to get a few more here to help out some more people uh, participate in Special Olympics dreams. Also, a programming note, I know that we've talked pretty heavily about the Liam Britsky benefit coming up. Um, no official plan yet because of you know, we're kind of waiting on Wisconsin weather. So with that in mind, as of... Right now, when we record here at seven o'clock on Tuesday night, um, the benefit is still a go for Thursday nights. Um, lots of prizes. I can I can attest to that, both personally and from the Liam Strong Facebook page. Some of those bigger prizes out there. I'm going to go through the page here. The bigger prizes out there. Uh, they do have a few different categories of prizes. And with different levels of buy-in for the t- raffle tickets. So with that in mind, uh, they start. We'll start with the big ticket items. Uh, that is the one for five dollars, three for ten, seven for twenty. There is a bike that they're going to be raffling off, a wooden cross, ice machine, a scooter, a s'mores and fire pit, and then some different coolers, hats, travel mugs, koozies in a Lawrence hook uh, for two for fish finder um so plenty of prizes there some of the mega ticket items uh one for ten dollars or three for twenty there's an autographed packers jersey which is alan lazard courtesy of me true value so shout out to Mia true value also a castle jacket pants hat and glove set um an autographed football by alan lazard an inverter generac generator coming from telford equipment the big iron cooler a 50-inch tv a packer signed picture um, the Milwaukee drill set and some homemade cornhole game set that has not been pictured. So plenty of those prizes. Plus I'm going to just kind of go through what we've, you know, we've been here on the show. We've had a couple different prizes and efforts. I know that there is going to be a brewer's prize package um, that includes a t-shirt, a signed Tyrone Taylor uh, Jersey card is what it's called. Also a two pack of tickets. Good for select games for the brewer games. Also a, Four pack of tickets or four vouchers for any Green Bay Rockers game. Formerly the Green Bay Booyah, formerly the Green Bay Bullfrogs. Four tickets to any game that you choose to go to. A four pack of tickets for any Green Bay Blizzard home game that you would choose to go to. A prize package courtesy of the Titletown District. Also, (laughs) personally donated a 16 by 20 Josh Hader signed picture very nice edit from Waukesha sports card. And then also uh, on behalf of the Wisconsin show, uh, we put together some wrestling tickets for an event in March in Kenosha and a $50 quick trip gift card. And that's just the prizes I know of. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you are attending the game, whether it be Thursday night or as kind of mentioning here with Wisconsin winter, as we here in Northeast Wisconsin are estimated to get somewhere between 10 and 20 inches of snow or something like that um that is going to be potentially could be saturday so pay attention to the liam strong facebook page the Gillette school district page and i'm sure if you have any interest you'll find it and for that game uh the entrance for the benefit as opposed to the main gym doors will actually be the secondary school auditorium doors Um, If you go to the game, you can't miss it. You'll see it um, because they can use the long hallway that connects the main entrance to the gym for all the prizes that have been donated. So that's that's a long hallway. So if it's full of prizes, that's awesome to see. Awesome to hear. Uh, Be sure to check that out. And any other questions you have on that, uh, you can message the Liam Strong fundraiser page. Also, check out our last interview on the Back to the Roots show with myself and Justin Dahl, uh, where we interviewed Coach Russ Young from the Joe Basketball team. Um, I'm sure they have plenty of information available, too. So plenty of people to get information from if you're looking for that. So just a couple of housekeeping notes on that. And also, one last one before we start talking about the episode. RPW Extravaganza 2 coming up April 29th. We are sponsoring the opening match. As we've alluded to before, uh, real quick, if you want to get tickets for that and you want to sit with your your people, get them now. Um, we saw, or uh, Rich just put out that the front row only has eight tickets left. Sections A and B are all sold out. We usually sit in section A, so you unfortunately would not be able to sit next to us. You could sit behind us, as there are some tickets available. But tickets are available at rpwprowrestling.com at the watering hole in green bay and also look sharp in the fox river mall so be sure to get those out as much as you can if you do choose to go get them now because they're going quick and it's a blast to go to sean you've been to two events now
1: yep it was a blast for sure
0: so if you're any kind of wrestling fan be sure to get those tickets in advance because it is a absolute blast uh sean shauna ramsey and myself will be there april 29th so tickets are available like i said look sharp in the fox river mall rpwprowrestling.com and the watering hole in green bay with that sean we can finally talk some sports almost 10 minutes in and great And uh, get to the normal episode. As always, got to talk to about our partners. We got Monkey Knife Fight. Play along with the contest. Always a blast on NASCAR Sundays now and XFL games. Continue playing some of those contests. Also, NBA, college basketball still going on as well. Play along with them as well. Code ROOT4 on repsports.com. Code ROOT4, R-O-O-T, number four, 15% off any order. And that's code ROOT4, repsports.com, raise energy great partner that we have with the show as well and with that we get into what we had rooted for brought to you by fanatics over 300 plus powered stores show your love for your team whether your team's on top of the world or in the middle of a rebuild show your love be proud of who you are and sean i'll let you kick this off what did you root for in the last week
1: uh i'm gonna go with mac mcclung from what he he for the sixers g league team or is he
0: sixers He's on a two-way contract, so he's a little bit of both.
1: Oh, okay. For winning the slam dunk contest, which gave him almost as much in earnings as he had had in his whole career, which is pretty wild. crazy.
0: That's
2: really,
1: with only hundred grand they won for...
0: I think that's win. part of the reason why they can't get people to do it, though.
1: Right. Because what's $100,000 to a lot of these guys?
0: A drop in the pan.
1: Right. A lot of these big names, I should say. Right. It just doesn't make any sense. And everybody was going crazy for him Saturday night. Saturday night? Yep, though?
0: Saturday night. Yeah. yeah, absolutely.
1: For him. He did awesome.
0: The 540 dunk was something in, I've never seen something like that before. That was right. insane. Um, had people saying he saved the dunk contest or brought it back, and people maybe wanting to one up him next year. So, Even
1: the bouncing it off the backboard over the, over the two guys. Yeah, that was wild. I mean, that's another one that's not been
2: done.
0: Yeah, absolutely wild. Uh, very. It was kind of fun because I wasn't watching it because what I root for uh, was the Elimination Chamber premium live event. So kind of paying attention to that on social media, the dunk contest and skills contest um, as it was going on. So I got to see the highlights without having to sit down and watch the whole thing. But okay. my report was the elimination chamber it used to be called pay-per-view. Now it's a premium live event. One of the better wrestling shows on TV that I've seen in a long time, every part of it, and each match was better than the one before it. And everyone, even the first match, you know, it started off on a really hot note. The crowd in Montreal was going nuts. Um, the main event, which I'm sure Sean and I probably talk about here for a little bit. Uh, was absolutely incredible. The Sami Zayn, Roman Reigns, I think, I think they got the right finish. I know Sean may disagree with that. I think they had the right finish uh, to it because I think it paints a larger story that they can kind of go with it and also kind of transition away from Sami as they build up to this Cody Rhodes um, WrestleMania match. But one only downside of it was the, the element where the ref got knocked out of the ring Sammy technically had like a ten cover or ten count if he would have had a ref. Um, they didn't, so it is what it is. And the interesting thing is what they're going to do with the bloodline because now Jay Uso is defining defying Roman Reigns and got his ass kicked. Um, took a spear from Sammy once. Sammy was trying to spear Roman, um, but yeah, just incredible false finishes. You know, going into it, I know on this show I talked about I was predicting Sami Zayn was going to lose and thought Roman Reigns was going to win ahead of WrestleMania. But every, you know, there was a few moments where I was like, "Holy shit, they're actually gonna, they're actually gonna do this!" Right. So credit to the crowd, credit to everyone in production, credit to both performers, Sami Zayn and Roman Reigns, for just an incredible performance. Both of them in ring had the crowd eating out of their hands. It was just every element of it, um, and now we build up to WrestleMania between. Cody Rhodes and Sami Zayn.
1: Roman being the top heel going after Sammy's wife in the front row and everything that way. Talking to her and talking shit to her was was pretty cool.
0: See the 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 funny part about that though, or not funny, but just interesting of how how they did it and how Roman for as much flack as he gets, because he's a very limited wrestler right. in ring.
1: I think he's a very limited talker at some
0: point. He is. But what he nailed about that is he wasn't insulting his wife. He wasn't, you know, whatever. He was saying, I, you know, we were trying to, I was trying to help you. He was trying to, like, plead with her to make Sammy stop. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't like Blue. It wasn't like, oh, yeah, he and sucks. He, you know, he's a bitch or anything like that. Or look what I'm doing. It was just, I didn't want this to happen. It was so psychological. It was really one of the better, like, pro wrestling storytelling portions that i've seen probably my whole life Mm -hmm. i agree with that every element of it and every side of it you know with the bloodline and and jay uso coming in because we you know paul Heyman had told both jimmy and jay to stay home jimmy came out and was defiantly on uh, roman's side and super kicked sammy a couple times and then jay comes out for a little bit of a save and what's gonna happen He gets the chair, just kind of like how Roman did with Sammy. Sammy's laying in the corner. Jay can't do it. Jay doesn't want to do it. And right when we thought we were going to get that confrontation from Jay, Roman ducks the spear, and Jay gets speared and goes out of the ring. Now, I do kind of wish they would have had, because then we saw some aftermath after the match itself ended in the ring with a beatdown of both. You know, It started with a beatdown of Roman. Then Kevin Owens came out to save Sammy. And then they turned in a really excellent moment, even from like a recall, the war games or survivor series where Jay steps out of the way or Sammy steps out of the way for Jay on Kevin Owens. So he can hit his move. Kevin Owens steps out of the way for Sammy on Roman. Would have liked to see Jay a little bit more in that just to really kind of paint things. But I think that's kind of more the long story tell of what they're going to do um with that faction and do they move because wwe technically has had a precedent where another member of the faction can step in for a tag team so does that put a belt does jimmy as the usa you know as the U.S. are tag team champions does he make me make a move to have solo be his new tag team partner be the tag team champion yeah but does so- solo even there he was not at, at Survivor Series or excuse me Elimination. Um, Elimination Chamber. That was kind of an interesting absence as well. And even Paul Heyman having a great story in this. And I think we're gonna see an excellent story between how that kind of breaks up because I think Jimmy was been so blind to Roman since the start, but Jay has not Jay the whole bloodline story started with main event Jay Uso at Hell in a Cell and the I Quit match. And Jay getting the shit kicked out of him and basically beaten into allegiance. But also kind of, you know, there's always been little spots. You've always seen a little bit of, of disdain. And does Jimmy come to his brother's aid? What does Solo do? What does Solo, you know, does he blindly follow Roman? Or is he kind of on the, you know, because he was always with Sammy more than anybody. Does he kind of lean towards Sammy a little bit? does Jimmy or, or excuse me, does Jay try to sway them? Do they kind of see the writing on the wall? they saying, Hey, this whole Roman thing ain't worth it. You know, we've seen kind of a little bit of, you know, when they, they had the tag team match ahead where they didn't know where Jay Uso was. And you can see Roman or Jimmy and uh, solo get pissed off when Roman's telling them to find Jay. There's just little seeds planted. It's been such a well done, like again, true storytelling. As opposed to what a lot of
1: storytelling,
0: as opposed to what like a lot of wrestling has become, where it's been just a lot of high spots, it's been a lot of you know, you can kind of make fun of like the young bucks and people in AEW for the super kick parties and the super kick no longer being a finishing move and all this other stuff, but just brilliant, brilliant storytelling. If you're not a wrestling fan, and I get it's not for everybody, I truly do. And I'm sure there's people who are hearing us talk about this in the last five-ish minutes or whatever it's been and being like, God, they're still talking about pro wrestling with a bunch of nerds. I can attest to you. We were, <laughs> we were in Sheboygan over the weekend with uh, Shauna's parents, and her sister and mom were watching Elimination Chamber with us. And, yeah, they were giving a shit for it. But at the same time, like they both got invested into it, especially in that main event match.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And Kelly won't admit it. She won't admit that she was entertained. But you, she couldn't turn away. She was playing Candy Crush, and she put her phone down.
2: <laughs> you know because what got serious, Huh?
1: You know what got serious, which put Candy Crush down.
0: Well, that's what I'm saying, though. Like, it was so over-the-top entertaining. Like, even if you're not into it, it's just, if you, if you give it a shot, it has been so good. So that is my route for it. A long-winded positive root for but with the positives come the negatives and i'm gonna go with my my Noogie of the week my tyler here Noogie of the week and i'm gonna kind of go on a little bit with sean had it for his root for as a whole nba all-star weekend has lost so much lester and i mentioned you know the element of not watching because we were watching a wwe event which again was phenomenal but I was able to pay attention on social media because it wasn't must watch. Right. I mean, Sean, do you remember when we were growing up? When the All Star, especially Saturdays, like Saturdays, always been the most watch night. Like Sunday, if you watch the All Star game itself, it's a glorified layup line and shooting line. And and even uh, Jalen Brown was saying that, uh, from Boston Celtics. And I agree. It's it always has been this year a little bit more than usual, um, with you know Giannis being injured. He only. Played the opening bucket. Um, LeBron was limited to the first half, so your two team captains were both essentially out. Uh, the draft being live was left a lot to be you know sought for. It was kind of boring and a little yeah. awkward.
1: That was that was kind of dumb the way they did that because you you got all confused about the team even though there was still another guy guy up
0: there. Right. So yeah, it was awkward. It was it was weird. It was hard to watch the game itself, which the All-Star games never been a good basketball game. Like it's not been a fundamental game. It's it's been a glorified layup line for a long time. But this was just again, it just was one of those games where it just was like, "Oh man, this is hard to watch." Um but even even the dunk contest, I mean, yes, Mac McClung, I'm not going to take away from anything that he did. He had a phenomenal dunk contest. It was great to watch. However, with that in mind, the big negative is if your must-watch dunk contest participant is a guy who's not even on a full-time roster, and he's splitting time between the G League and the 76ers, that is a major problem. If you have a $100,000 prize, you don't even have rookies, because your and your your top end rookies don't want to play for a hundred thousand dollars on a dunk contest.
1: Right? It, was there even a guy that was relatively a decent name in the dunk contest? Not that I can
0: really Not think can, of. Right? And no offense to the participants, but I I can't think of any off the top of my head.
1: Right. I mean, the three point contest had some guys, but they still didn't have hardly anybody.
0: Yeah, Dame won it, didn't he?
1: Yeah. And the guy that was leading the league in three-point percentage literally got knocked out first round.
0: But, like, looking, I mean, look, looking at, like, the guys who playing who are in this, right? Paulo Banchero, number one pick, wasn't it? Jabari Smith, Keegan Murray. These guys, like, they're I mean, none of them were in it. Even kind of going down the line... And just kind of looking through the first round. I'm just trying to figure if I can find what like the last um, pick of the first round would be making. One moment. Like Patrick Baldwin Jr., the Milwaukee product. He was towards the end of the first round, right? He He's also now in the G League, but I'm just trying to find what his contract would be. because it's not a whole lot. Yeah, you know, the NBA rookie contracts, you usually get 3 or 4 years and I think you're maxing. I mean, you're making easily
2: this is hard to find.
0: Like <laughs> 1.6 million, 2.5 million is what you're making as a rookie. Excuse me, that's wrong. That's the wrong part here. It looks like the for the rookies for the 21 22 season uh, was set at just under a million dollars. But if you're making a million dollars, a hundred thousand is not going to entice you to do a dunk contest,
1: right? To get an injury type thing.
0: Well, even if you because if you don't win it, like, I mean, you could get I mean, how many years have we seen where the dunk contest is just embarrassing where it's not even worth watching as of right. late? The last really good one was the Zach Levine Aaron Gordon showdown. And that's five, Mm -hmm. six years ago at this point.
1: Yeah, that was twenty sixteen. Seven years.
0: Yeah. So you know, thinking back about that, I mean, there's no there's no inkling to watch, you know, these where it's okay, yeah, like that's been the last good one. But from what it was when we were young, I mean the Vince Carter year, the two thousand dunk contest. You look at Blake Griffin jumping the Kia. You look at um, Nate Robinson doing yeah, all... Yeah, Nate
1: Robinson, Dwight Howard.
0: And Dwight Howard and putting on the Superman cape. And just so much different now than what it has been. So that's my noogie. It's just the overall all-star weekend. The game sucked. The dunk contest was, I guess, good enough. But... All right, my turn? My noogie? Yep.
2: All right, I'm going to go Daytona.
0: Interesting. Because,
1: because it felt like the race just took forever to get done. I don't know what, why it took so long. I don't know if these, what do you want to call it? What are they calling it? No, not section races, but... Stages. Uh, stages. Stages. I don't know if they should just let them, let them race the 200 laps and without the stages and just let them go i don't know i don't know what to do it was was hard to watch you mean you had it on for background noise and you paid attention at the last 10 15 laps that was about it
0: yeah admittedly that's all about of the race that i caught was the last i mean i had it we i had it on the background but it wasn't i mean you watch the beginning because it's you know It's Daytona. You watch at the start. And then that middle chunk is where you kind of lose and you kind of take a nap and, you know, you go about your day a little bit, you check in here and there every half hour or so. And then the last 20 laps or so is where you really get your, your bang for your buck, if you will. But,
1: But even 20, wasn't, wasn't anything. It wasn't until the last two laps where something actually happened. They started actually racing. So I don't.
0: Well, I would disagree with that because yeah, I, I turned it on. We got home from running errands and whatnot from the weekend. I got home and I turned it on with about 15 laps to go because they were just in a caution. So then they went green with 14 to go. And that is where you saw some big moves being made. And you saw um, that last, even last eight laps, I would say, prior to the first caution that caused overtime. Is where you really got um, some some true good racing and then I don't love it being determined by a yellow flag being waved and having not having a true finish
2: I, I 100% get
1: percent agree with
0: it. I get the safety element of not you know if it is truly like an overtime and plus you you ran an extra 25 miles you basically ran an extra 12 and a half laps um with caution with you know everything with that and the overtimes. So in the element that I get, you know, you have to do something. You can't just have them technically race till there's one car going. But at the same time, and I, I also get the safety element of not wanting to have a caution flag fly and have guys still, you know, guns blazing, green flag racing to a checker line either. So I get that element of it too. But it, it feels a little wrong... At least to have the Daytona 500, and I don't think you can do that. for I think you'd have to do for all races, finish under like basically taking a screenshot of where the cars were when they finally decided to throw the flag, because they didn't throw it right away either when the car started to wreck.
1: No, I was expecting it to be a race to the checkered. Even even though the I mean the wreck was behind them, everything that way, I was expecting them to have a race to the checkered and i think that would have been a better a better outcome than determining it by a picture
0: yeah you know if that wreck doesn't happen in the in the backstretch that happens on as they leave turn four i think you get that
1: i i i still don't mind it's not like it was turn one where they're going to be coming 180 miles an hour across the finish line and they got to slow down right away sure it's still far enough around. they got enough time. they can get down to the apron. they can do whatever they need to do they're They're good enough drivers, the spotters are good enough. It should have been a race to the checkered.
0: I'd agree with that in this instance, and that's the thing like where it's totally objective because it's it's based on you know there's not like a a hum it's a literally a human element. there's not like a like a true formula as far as I know. As to when to throw a caution flag, you know, especially kind of in that. So that's kind of where you get that that human element of it. So I'd agree with that. I think that you know they should have, in this case, let him run to the checkers. I don't think it technically changes the outcome. I think where it was, I think Stenhouse was going to win the thing anyway because he made that move. As it, you know, he had the full intent to race it all the way out. Right, right. Because you see him, and- you see him let off coming out of turn four, that's the only time you see the guys let off. They're going into turn three, and out of, or into turn four, even though it's technically one turn, I've never really gotten that, but... Um,
1: you gotta, but you you gotta, gotta that, go to turn four to see
0: it. Right. It makes a bit... But just in general, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's a, just yeah. a NASCAR thing. <laughs> 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 um, but they're leaving turn four, and... I mean, the caution was already way behind him, but they were still going until they got out of four. And it was like, oh, okay, Yeah.
2: So I I would have done done that.
1: seen a go to checkered, but it is what it is.
0: I got to say just real quick. um, I, for one, I did not bet on the Daytona 500. I know some people who did. And I give my hats off to them because I could never bet on that race. No, there is just, it's I mean, I was talking. So my brother or my future brother-in-law, I should say, uh, Ben, shout out to Ben, uh, told me he had a, a part like a four sport parlay with a Joey Logano top five finish being the NASCAR element of it. I'm saying the thinking about that, I'm like. Just the drafting alone of how you can go from like 25th place on the last lap as you start the lap, not even factoring in a caution, but just how the drafting and how Daytona goes. And finish fifth, or even other way around, where if you're coming out of turn two, and the person behind you leaves, you go from like third to like twenty-second, like that.
1: I think that happened to Kyle Kyle Larson at at one point. He was almost, I think he was fighting for first and lost his draft partner, and,
0: and that caused that last wreck. Yeah, he got slowed up, and he technically ends up with an 18th place finish. Right, so. Yeah, that's that's just wild to me. It's just like, I couldn't bet on that. Absolutely not. No, no way. And then you throw in the whole unpredictability of a, like the wrecks where Chase Elliott was one of the odds-on favorites. He gets taken out with like 100 to go. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, that ha- that can happen in any race, true, but even more with Daytona.
1: You fi- you figured Travis Pastrano was the 40th car. He got 11th place.
0: Mm-hmm. Which, hats off to Travis Pastrana, that's awesome.
1: Right, right, 100% hats off. But it's, it's just one of those things. It's, it's racing.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's, it's pretty much how explain it.
0: Also, shout out to Ty Majewski with his uh, first race of the year. Brand new 98 truck, still part of Thor Sport Racing, but in the 98 instead of the 66. He gets a sixth place finish on the Friday night truck race, shortened by rain. Uh, he had qualified second, so he had a fast truck, but top 10 finish. You won't complain about that too much. So shout time to Jesse there. That's um, yeah, some good NASCAR. I mean, I, I thought it was good can enough. We, can like shot, said. Huh? Can we
1: shout Ricky Stenhouse too for going to Waffle, Waffle House with the Daytona 500 trophy?
0: Did he? I didn't see yeah. that. That's awesome. Is. That's awesome.
1: Yeah, he walked into Waffle House and everybody's. With with the trophy everything and the ladies the lady was going crazy. She's like, Are you the winner? No, I'm just carrying around this trophy.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so that was pretty cool.
0: That is cool. I love that. So that brings us to our weird Wisconsin web story. And Sean, a little bit of a different path to this one. Um, oh. This coming from Barron County of Wisconsin, uh, the source on it, even though I think technically has a Green Bay media uh, tie to it. We're going to go through whiskey riff on this one, Sean, one of my favorite websites out there. Drunk Wisconsin man drives ice fishing shack out onto unfrozen lake, sinks his truck. M- makes a lot of sense. So if I can just start off the the article uh, written by uh, Brady Cox for WhiskeyRiff.com. Bold strategy, Cotton. I've never seen or experienced ice fishing before, mainly because it really gets below freezing here in South Carolina. We're talking about a state that shuts down schools. or He said, we're talking about a state that shuts down schools when there's ice on the road. And if it does get below freezing, you won't be able to get fine bread or milk in a site at a grocery store. We get old-school apocalyptic when the weather gets back. Anyways, back to ice fishing. Even with my lack of experience in ice fishing, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to know that this guy fucked up big time. You see, any idiot knows that in order to go ice fishing, you need ice. According to We Are Green Bay of Barron County, Wisconsin man was trying to beat the crowd for ice fishing and had the bright idea of trying to take his back his ice shack onto the lake. One problem? The lake wasn't even close to being completely frozen over. Needless to say, he got his ice shack and his truck stuck in the middle of the lake. He also copped an OWI charge from the police because, in case you couldn't figure this out, alcohol had to be involved for this to happen. I can guarantee you one thing. He immediately regarded his decision. Now he's down a truck, an ice shack, and his dignity. Barron County Sheriff's Department released the following statement on Facebook. We want everyone to know that the driver was okay and unhurt. Alcohol was a contributing factor to this case. And we take this very seriously because this type of offenses are preventable. Look, okay, yeah, it got below freezing last night, last couple nights. And okay, yeah, the frost has made an appearance. And we sure love ice fishing as much as everyone else. But, all caps, and this is important, the ice is not ready yet. Please keep the shacks at home for the time being. Let's enjoy fall while it's still here, yeah. So I'm guessing this is maybe a little bit of an older story than Whiskey Earth just got to it for some reason.
1: Sounds Um, like it.
0: But yes, this was, alcohol was a factor. The third OWI incident on that that given night in Barron County. And yeah, I mean, Sean, I know this is like a visual thing um, for our listeners, but yeah, look look at this. I don't know if you can see, oh, I don't know if you can see this or not. No,
1: I can't see it.
0: I got my background on, but.
1: Background just showing up. You just send it to me, I'll look
0: at it. Yeah, I gotcha. So, that is our Wisconsin Weird Web Story of the Day, or of the week, and that being the Barron County Whiskey Riff ice fishing incident. So, that is Weird Wisconsin Web Story of the Week. Uh, No draft this week, no trivia with Shauna not being here. Drafts are kind of hard to do with just two people, Um, and trivia... She's our trivia master, and so I guess another week of technically me losing and being down 3-2, which is ridiculous. Oh, we were tied. No, we were tied.
1: Oh, we were tied until I last won week. last week.
0: Which is, again, just absurd.
1: No, still no I'm still mad. Yeah, I know. Your face is turning red again. <laughs> still so are your, m- ears. your ears are turning red, too, and then you have headphones on.
0: Still mad. I have every right to be mad. No, you don't. Justin disagreed. He, he, we talked, she makes, the rules. she makes the rules. Still ridiculous. Take it
1: up with her. See how the I, part I get. you I will. <laughs> yeah. Good luck it's with it's
0: that. In that. She's, she <laughs> might have to listen to this, but she's not here to to tell me I'm wrong. So, um, she's anyway,
1: area area.
0: Right into the sports then for this week. Uh, let's start off with the world of college basketball. Um, just because that's what I have on right now. Marquette Golden Eagles are 10th ranked country in the, or 10th ranked team in the country, Sean. <laughs> Ten ranked,
1: 10th ranked country in the team.
0: Yeah. 10th ranked team in the country. Uh, they'll be facing Creighton Blue Jays tonight. And I'm going to be honest with you. I did not realize that Marquette was in the top 10 until Sunday.
1: Right. I didn't know so that either. The
0: of the year. So 21 and six on the year for the Marquette Golden Eagles. Um, pretty much a lock for the NCAA tournament for an at large bid. Badgers have some work to do, uh, depending on your bracketologist and who you, you know, which brackets you like to look at as the previews come. Uh, Wisconsin either in that last four in category or first four out. Um, just, we talk about it every week. It feels like just a tough stretch unit. You know, they keep losing home games. They lost 58 57 on Saturday to Rutgers a team that I thought Wisconsin was better than for the game. Um, but that comes off a win last week where they didn't score from the field for the last 10 to 45 of the game, which is insane to me. Just an insane concept of not scoring from the field for the last 11 minutes of the game still winning because of free throws. So I guess hats off to them in that aspect, but yikes. <laughs>
1: Right. You can't be going to March Madness this
0: way. No, and there is still room for them to make a little bit of a run. They have Iowa, as of right now, uh, Wednesday night. I say as of right now because of the potential winter storm that could dump 10, 20, 50 inches of snow on Wisconsin in the next uh, couple days here. So as of right now, they are... Scheduled to play Iowa on Wednesday. I believe they get their Michigan rematch real quick. I think that's on Sunday. And then they'll have Purdue and Minnesota left. So obviously you hope for, well, you'd hope for all four. Realistically, I think you can try to get all, you know, three of those four. Purdue's going to be that tough one that really sticks out. Being that they're a top 10 team top five team, most, uh, most analytics. So that's one that you kind of hope, you know, maybe you make a showing of it, maybe not. Um, but you've got to go to, you've got to go to Ann Arbor. You've got to go, you've got Iowa at home. You've got to go to Ann Arbor and then you've got to go to the barn, which is even in a down year for Minnesota, they're seven and 17 on the year. Top place to play in the big 10.
1: So they're going to have a pretty low seed in the, or high seed in the Big Ten tournament then?
0: Uh, Uh, I believe, what's that?
1: Big Ten does have a tournament, right? Yes. Okay.
0: As of it's standing right now, which again, four games to play yet for them, the Badgers
2: are, God, that's counting
0: Tenth in the Big Ten. Okay. Um, Or ninth, maybe. I I quick counted. It's a really small screen. Big.
1: Yeah, you you can't count to ten. It's okay. You went to jail. It.
0: Tenth. I counted twice. (laughs) Sure. So yes, they would be the tenth seed. Um, And like I said, some work to do. Don't get me wrong. Um, should they, you know, as of right now, I think Joe Lunardi's bracket, uh, most recent bracket predictions came out and they were an 11 seed play in where they'd have a play in game against Clemson. Winner would face the sixth seed of TCU.
1: Sure, anybody can beat anybody in March Madness, I think. I I think think seeds really matter, but.
0: This is a year, I think, and I'm not going to make this an official prediction because just the numbers would say otherwise, but I think this could be another year where we've seen some very inconsistent top teams. We've seen, I think, five or six number one seeds or number one in the AP rankings. No teams last number than, longer than three weeks at number one um, at any given spurt. So I, I'm not going to say that A16 could be to one this year, but it's ripe for the taking. If, a, you know, if you know get a good sixteen, and they are a tough matchup for that one seed, you know, just matchup wise, could be a year for it. So, a little something to watch for. Um, the Green Bay Phoenix, outside of a spectacular, darn near miraculous run, coming up here, will not be playing postseason basketball. Outside of well, yeah, I'm gonna I'm just gonna say it. Outside <laughs> of like I said, a miraculous um, Horizon League tournament coming up, the three and whatever record is not gonna be good enough for a CIT or um, definitely not the NIT or the CIT or what's the other one? I can't even think what it is right now.
1: So they're just sitting home is pretty much what you're saying.
0: Pretty much. That's, that's the indication. The only, and I'm going to say this, and I mean this, you know, I love the program. I love everything that comes with Green Bay Basketball. Following that miraculous run where they'd have to win a, basically a playing game to the Horizon League tournament. They'd have to win a quarterfinal game on the road. Because these games are all going to be on the road. So they have to win a, a opening round game. A quarterfinal game, semifinal, and championship game, all in the span of seven days. So you'd have to win four games in seven days to make that happen.
1: So you're saying there's a chance,
0: Matt? It's technically possible. I'm going to go on record saying,
1: you heard it here first. They're going to win the, they're going to win the Horizon <laughs> League. Yep.
0: I'm. That's not what I'm saying.
1: <laughs> that's what you know, I heard.
0: They would literally have to surpass their win total, double, more than double their current win total, for that to happen. Now, March has had crazier stories. Well, okay, maybe not. Maybe not that.
1: We're just gonna get Kiefer Sykes back on the team, and he'd lead. He'd
2: lead it. Lead the way. Sure.
0: <laughs> sure. Sure. If Kiefer Sykes, Alfonso McKinney, <laughs> you're not going to put Alex Brown back. Um,
1: That's who it was. I remember it was. It was Alex something. I couldn't remember the last name.
0: All you would say if they could get Cougs back, Carrington Love and Jordan Faust, because Carrington Love's tearing it up in Europe right now. If those four came back, maybe there's a chance. Maybe there's a chance. That's still a daunting... Four-game span of having to win every other day than back-to-back games.
1: So we're just rooting for the women, is what you're saying.
0: That's kind of where I'm leaning. Uh the Green Bay women are playing essentially for the Horizon Championship on Thursday, as of right now. We've got to keep saying that. As of right now, it's the new allegedly. Um, as of right now, they're playing on Thursday. Because again, with snow, uh, they'll be playing Cleveland State. Who are they currently tied with for the Horizon League uh, regular season regular season uh, championship? Which would, at worst, guarantee a WNIT appearance. Uh, gets the opening bye for the opening round of the the Horizon League tournament, as that's already been confirmed. Um, so they'll have a home game March second on Thursday. And then you got to win one. Then you're going to Indianapolis for the semifinals. So, it's doable. Um, would be the first conference turno- or conference title since 2018, I believe was the last time. Which isn't that long in the grand scheme of things when you win 22 straight. It's a while. Um, and I've said this on this show. I said it. I said it on radio yesterday on 107.5. This is the Green Bayest Green Bay team in a while. They played stellar defense. Next woman up, they have probably about six players who can go for fifteen any given night. On Saturday they or Sunday, excuse me, uh, they avenged their most recent regular season loss to Youngstown State, that broke up a twelve game win streak. They're back on an eleven game win streak and playing for a, at least a share. Of the regular season title on Thursday night against Cleveland State, um, could be the outright title should they win Sun or Saturday. As of right now, um, which would be a matchup against Purdue Fort Wayne. You just kind of hope that it's not like a a trap game because that's they've got. You know they're they're a weaker team in the conference right now. That you know all eyes you hope that's just not kind of a you know you kind of fall off after you know a letdown game if you will. But yeah, a very exciting time for the Green Bay Phoenix women. Um, you know, if you're a fan of fundamental basketball, I highly recommend checking them out. They play defense. They have great ball movement. They've. It's a team, I learned this yesterday, of the 15 girls that were on the regular season roster start of the year, 13 of them are from the state of Wisconsin, grew up in the state of Wisconsin. A lot of them from the northeast Wisconsin region. A lot of them had played AAU ball either with each other or were familiar at least enough with each other. Um, played against each other in high school, played against each other in these AAU teams. So just a lot of familiarity, a lot of just kind of knowing the next person's moves before they make it. It's beautiful basketball to watch. So, but yes, Sean, to answer your question, in terms of a Green Bay NCAA appearance, or even postseason appearance, we're leaning pretty heavily on the Green Bay women, because like I said, it's going to take a Herculean effort for the men to make a postseason tournament.
2: Yeah, that's for sure.
0: So, from the world of college basketball, uh, not a whole lot in the NBA has happened because of the All Star break. Um, obviously, we know about the Giannis injury, so I'll talk about that here just real quick. Uh, does have a sprained wrist, did avoid major damage. Um, so, on unknown for how long of a time that he would be out for. Did he do but this all game? No, it happened in the last game before the all-star break in Chicago. Um, Going on an out of bounds. I think he was fouled and fell off of a, a layup attempt or a dunk attempt on the baseline.
1: Okay. I got you.
0: So, not a whole lot of other developments. Uh, team Giannis did win the All-Star Game. Uh, Drew Holiday was a big enough piece of part of that. Uh, the Team Giannis-led Skills Contest did not win uh, because it was the Ente Kumpo's and Drew Holiday stepping in for Giannis for the Skills Contest. They did not end up winning the Utah team of God, I don't even know who's on that. I can't even think of it off the top of my head, but I think the Utah Jazz team won on their route. And then, technically, Giannis got a win on Friday night as well, Coach helping coach the Celebrity All-Star game.
1: Did you see the Miz in the Celebrity All-Star game?
0: The shot that didn't count, but the half-court shot that would have tied
1: it. He, he's going to be talking about that forever. I would. <laughs> right. And then DK Metcalf getting... Uh, performance enhancing.
0: Drug. You start uh, showing off the hops a little too much. Great. So that leads us to the beautiful world of baseball, Sean. Um, a lot has happened since we last talked um, in the Brewers world. Uh, first and foremost, everyone is at spring training here as we speak. So that's the first good sign. However, We have a pissed off Corbin Burns and rightfully so um, the contract negotiation for the year went to arbitration An arbitration hearing, which for those of you who don't know, when you have a player on a rookie controlled deal, team controlled deal, um, if they don't come to an agreement before, you know, with whatever they're kind of seeking. Um, it can go to arbitration. In this case, it did as Corbin Burns was seeking about 10.75 million for the year, which I definitely think he deserved for what it's worth. Right. Um right. Brewers came in at 10.01 million, and it ends up going to arbitration, which always gets ugly. It's a no-win situation in my book. I get why it's a thing. And I get why these hearings go how they do. Like I'm not gonna. I, I, well, first of all, I am going to rip on the Brewers a little bit. I know that they're trying to win a hearing, and you know, save the money that they can, and make a deal happen in some capacity. But you burn a lot of goodwill in those types of situations, and you know, all the talk all off season was you have a owner who is willing to spend money on the right people. Corbin Burns to me seems like one of those right people that you shouldn't even be bitching about less than a million dollars.
1: Right, keep them happy.
0: Work on the extension, not bicker over three quarters of a million dollars. When you're still getting a guy who is coming off a another year of being the, or I think the National League strikeout leader, um, coming off a recent Cy Young win, being a Cy Young favorite, as you are projected to finish first in the division by MLB on Fox projected to have the 10th best World Series odds. Don't know why you're even risking that, especially when you have a kind of pissed off franchise or fan base for the Josh Hader saga. And you had a pretty quiet offseason, which didn't really quiet a lot of that, that disdain. You didn't get the Willie Adamas contract extension. You didn't get the Brandon Woodruff extension that we all had kind of hoped for, talked about uh, around Thanksgiving time on this show. So
2: yeah, uh,
1: yeah. Why are we why are we pissing this guy off for seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars? I mean, it's I, it's not a lot of money to them at this at this point.
0: And like I said, to the sense that I get the arbitration, I get why it's a thing. I think it's a very good thing in the sense of it keeps young, really good talent on teams longer. And I think that's a good thing for balance of the league overall. Because otherwise, you wouldn't have guys wanting to sign with Brewers even yeah. to get drafted. You wouldn't have, you know, it'd basically be a four-team race, the Yankees, the Red Sox, the Cubs, and the Dodgers. Yeah. So it keeps other teams competitive. It keeps them, you know, like you look back at The Royals being a World Series champion in 2015, I believe. It keeps teams like that, you know, having a hope, you know, you get the right nucleus of prospects and, you know, you get a vet or two wanting to play on a little bit of a cheaper deal, try to win a championship. So I get that side of it.
1: Yeah, but MLB doesn't really even have a salary cap, right? Correct. Correct. So does is it really gonna matter for that little
0: bit of money? Oh no, that that's it, that's the part that I agree with you that this is dumb that we're even having this conversation. And then of all things in that con- in that arbitration hearing, you basically put all of last season's struggles and literally blame the guy for not your team not getting the playoffs for the first time in five years. Right. When Corbin Burns was probably the last player that could be blamed for that.
1: I think number one would be Christian Yelich, wouldn't you think?
0: Uh, I don't think so. I, I mean, he was very productive from that leadoff spot.
2: But so I mean I, if opinion. I'm putting it on, I'm
0: putting on the offense as a whole. I'm not putting it on the pitching. You had no situational hitting. You had like guys like McCutcheon who had a huge fall off. You had guys like even Colton Wong who wasn't healthy and really didn't contribute offensively. You had, you know, outside of Rowdy Telez and William Domus, you didn't have a whole lot of offense, you know, power numbers going. Christian Yelch was great in the leadoff spot. and He's finally healthy. Sounds like this offseason has been great for him. Um, big, I think he's going to be a big benefactor of not having the shift anymore. Him and Rowdy Telez, for that matter. Um, you know, you go bring in William Contreras who is going to give you 15, 20 more home runs than Omar Narvaez did. A little bit better average hitting, too. Some gap power. You bring in Brian Anderson to play third and kind of shore up that other infield spot and have Luis Urias play second, which I'm very excited for. Yep.
1: And
0: then very on top of you go... You make an excellent move, I think, for the Jesse Winker trade, which out you know, all the stars point to William Contreras. That's the big name acquisition you make, but that Jesse Winker, the dude, has hit above 300 in every single NL Central ballpark, and I think at Amfam slash Miller Park, it was like a 310, 320 average, something like that, with no more shifts. And he's finally fully healthy after two years of being injured. He came to spring training early and is fully healthy for the first time in about a year and change. So, yeah, that's a big, a very quiet, but a very big ad for this team.
2: Right. I totally agree with you.
1: So, we'll see. We'll see how the season goes. I just feel like Christian Yelich has got to almost get back to that MVP caliber, which I don't know if we're gonna get
2: or what we're paying them type kind of yeah. deal. I
0: I think it's doable. Um I think even if he gives you you know a 270 280 average I think he's a I think putting him in that leadoff spot's gonna help. I think gonna you know again having the shift be gone having some extra offense to protect him in the lineup a little bit more is going to help a lot too.
1: So are you going to leave, they going to leave him at DH or are they going to have him play the field or a little That's bit of both? That's an
0: interesting conversation. I think it's probably going to be a little bit of both because I think your main DH this year is going to be um, Jesse Winker. Now they did make a move today that may complicate that a little bit in a good way with signing Luke Voigt to a minor league contract. And Tyler Naquin
2: to a minor league deal. Um,
0: I think that's very interesting. I think that's a very good move, especially if something happens to Roddy Telez. You basically have Roddy Telez. You know? Exactly. So.
2: So, I guess
1: my, my question for you here is Isn't Winker a better defender than what Yelich would be? So, why wouldn't you have him play the field?
0: I think it's kind of going to be one of those things on health. You know, okay. I think kind of look at Winker kind of coming back from injury, uh, like a, an injured neck last year where he couldn't even like turn his head really well and he didn't have feelings in his arms. So that's kind of what you're looking at. I think with the offseason surgeries he's had um, does kind of maybe you kind of ease him in, have him play the field occasionally. Um and have Yelich stay in the flow of a game with that kind of again, not necessarily needing the power numbers, being able to spray the field, be the leadoff hitter. I think that's kind of the route you you may go. Um, yeah. But the nice thing so, is, even if depending on matchups, you can you can give Yelich a few more off days here because you have a deep outfield between Tyrone Taylor, Garrett Mitchell, etc.
1: Yeah, so so here's another one for you. What are we? What what's gonna be happening with Keston? You got an idea or no? Clue. Have
0: no... no clue. I think maybe That's you try to make a cool. move here in spring training yet. If you can pick up a prospect, pick up a pitcher, especially with the Aaron Ashby situation, you don't know how long he'll be out. Maybe you try to make a move happen. You know. Keston's an interesting cat because it's not, he can hit at every level except the big leagues, it seems. Um, You know, maybe having one more year of, you know, he's got a pretty low contract uh, that he had agreed to pre arbitration. uh, So you don't have a whole lot invested there either right now. So I think it's kind of one of those, okay, prove it or lose it type years for him not quite sure as to what they do. Um like I said I think I think you maybe try to make a move. Because so I don't I don't know what his minor league option status is either. I feel like he probably still has options.
1: I think he might
2: have one or two but that'd be about it cuz he's been in and out a lot lately. Right.
0: Just trying to take a look. He did sign a 1 year 2.2 million dollar deal. Um, this off season that he agreed to does not yeah, say
1: so, so there's our money for Corbin Burns.
0: Yeah.
2: No shit. Is it, gonna, right? is it really going to be that big of a deal? I don't think so.
0: Yeah. I cannot find if he has minor league options remaining or not yet. Feel like he? I feel like he does, but I think that'd be a bigger story. Maybe he, not.
2: he must if if
1: they're not talking about talking about it already. That'd make the most amount of sense.
0: Just doing some reading. So if you got anything more to add?
1: <laughs> no, I I'm just I'm just excited to see what's going to happen this year. I mean they're they're talking it should be a fairly good team. Like you said, they're the tenth ranked to make to win the world series, everything that way. I mean, we get, we get good pitching out of Burns and Woodruff and Freddie's healthy. I'm pretty sure. Right.
0: He is. He's fully healthy. Uh, I believe he'll be pitching for Mexico in the world baseball classic coming up.
1: So, I mean, you got your three headed monster that should be able to carry us.
0: You've also one big thing, I think to talk about too, um, is you do have Wade Miley back in the fold in some capacity, probably going to be your, more of your long bullpen, kind of Brett Suter role because he's gone now. Yeah, um, yeah. I do like having Eric Lauer around, so you kind of have two lefties that you can technically spot start if you need to. Um, I'd be a lot more confident if I knew Aaron Ashby's status and, you know, the injury situation. Or if
1: still they... don't, don't forget about him.
0: I wish I could. <laughs> Adrian Hauser drives Adrian Hauser drives me nuts for the reason being that he can be so good any given one game, but that one game is usually surrounded by about six that are average at best, if not bad. Right. You'll get a stinker, then you'll have about three or four, you know. I mean the, the average MLB starter has an ERA of what, like four or five or something like that. Three four point five or four point two five, something like that. Yeah. So a lot of games, he will give you that, you know, three, four runs. And, you know, again, he'll have a game every 10th appearance that kind of makes you believe in him again, where he could go out and throw a no-hitter any given performance, but then he'll have a stinker where he gives up seven, eight runs in three or four innings. He's the new Sean Markham.
1: <laughs> Figured you'd like that name. Matt Garza Matt Garza
2: Dave.
0: Randy Wolf yeah,
2: okay. just some some crazy guys that the birds have had all of,
1: over the years,
0: at least they were all old though, like this is a guy that you've kind of built up, like you're getting Matt Garza or You know these other guys, um Kyle Loesch. you get them at the end of their career, Sean Markham. You can kinda you kinda live with that. This is a guy, like I said, that you you build up, you draft, you develop, or you acquired, I think, in a trade actually, but you develop in your minor league system and then just again, every six days you're just like, ah shit. Right. You don't know what to expect. You know, it could go like I I know I've I've gone to brewer games where I've had tickets and I see that, you know, I kinda do the math, you know, about a week or two out and I figure out Hauser is the projected starter. And then I see it, you know, get announced that day. And she's like, ah, shit, this could go either really, really bad or really, really good. No one right. between.
1: No, no one in between whatsoever.
0: See, like, Freddie Peralta has a little bit of that Dave Bush in him where if he can get through, like, the second and he's cooking, <laughs> like, you know you're good.
2: Yeah. I agree with you there.
0: Even Woodruff has that a little bit sometimes too.
1: Yeah. I feel I feel like that's the Brewers Achilles heel is they gotta get through this first and second innings.
0: Yeah, and then for Woodruff and Burn specifically, you gotta put up more than one run
2: on offense. That too. That too. You
0: need a little bit of run support for these guys who go out and throw damn near perfect game. But then you'll get, you know, you'll have a game where where uh, Adrian Hauser goes and lays an egg, and you put up six and still lose.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Being a Brewers fan is fun. <laughs>
1: yeah, Johnson sports fan in general.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's true, too. Um, real quick, uh, as we talk about the Brewers, uh, you know, I, I for those of you who don't know, which if you don't, you should probably by now, because I don't know why you'd be listening if you didn't know this, but I did make an appearance on uh, WDUZ yesterday, uh, sat in for Marcus on Better Call Eversol and Sportsline. Talked to Joe Dodderwick, who is the play by play voice of the Green Bay Phoenix women's team. Now, he's also the PA, the main PA announcer at uh, Fox City Stadium for the Timber Rattlers. Talked about some of the new additions to the ballpark. For the first time ever, you can actually walk completely around uh, from any part of the park. You know, it used to be you get to the third baseline and there's a little bit of a gap from where the right or the left field wall was. Couldn't quite get all the way around. Now you can a uh, new slide out there. They put in, um, uh, apparently the Tim Browners almost switched their clubhouse dugout, um, from the third base side to the first base side. Added in some renovations for the team as well. Like I think, uh, bigger batting cages or better batter cages in house and stuff like that too. Um, so yeah, just a very exciting time for Tim Rattlers baseball, and should be another good season. Uh, lots of young prospects kind of making their way up the ranks. Probably won't see Chirio anymore. I believe he'll be starting the year in either Double or Triple A. Freilich, I believe, is going to be in that same level. Bryce Terangs in Triple A, but there's always time for new superstars to be built. Um, the Brewers have had a have one of the their better farm franchises in in a while, so at every level there's pretty good talent. So be sure to check them out in Appleton. Um, which kind of brings us to the football world, Sean. Um, first, just got to talk real quick. Uh, Green Bay Blizzard starting up in a little less than a month, so Wisconsin football will be back in that capacity. Um, also, we have the XFL going on. Do you catch any XFL over the weekend?
1: No, I just just highlights I seen.
0: Josh Gordon scored a touchdown. Josh Gordon's still a little relevant. <laughs>
1: I did see that.
0: Uh, AJ McCarron leading a last-minute drive.
1: I do. I do like the fourth and fifteen for an onside kick. I do too. I thought that was pretty cool.
0: I and like that a three, lot.
1: Three-point three uh, point after too.
0: I like that a lot as well.
1: Just kind of cool that they're doing some extra—not not extra, but some different stuff that. NFL should
0: look at: Well, you know they're going to have all eyes on this thing, right? Like great. Right. Um, also, just real quick shout out. I learned this yesterday as I was kind of prepping for Better Call Adall. Brent Hunley signed a record-breaking XFL contract. He did not play this last weekend, but Brent Hunley is your top paid player in the XFL at 200,000 dollars. 250. It was
1: 250.
0: My bad. Doesn't that piss you off a little bit, though? Right. <laughs> I mean, I guess credit to him for taking the money and not being a backup somewhere. I mean, you could definitely make a million dollars as a like as a backup somewhere, or even a, you know probably more than that, two hundred fifty thousand as a practice squad quarterback somewhere. Probably. Hell. But highest paid XFL player, Brett Hundley, former Packer.
1: Which is insane.
0: Which, of course, Sean uh, leads us to some Packers talk, not literally no developments in the last oh, week. Um, on the on the Aaron Rodgers watch that is we did have a re-signed or renegotiated contract for Aaron Jones where his cap hit comes down quite significantly. Um, gets the Packers to being about four million over the cap instead of the sixteen million that they had been. Um, I have not seen the tendered contracts or if the contracts voided for Adrian Amos, Mason Crosby, Bob Tunyon, um, Dean Lowry was on that list, Mason Crosby. There's a Jared list of guys. What's that?
1: Darren Reed.
0: Yes. So the deadline for that was yesterday. I don't know if... Any of those got picked up for the amount of money that they had been. Uh, looks like yep, all seven were voided, which were Mercedes Lewis, Randall Cobb, Jaron Reed, Dean Lowry, Adrian Amos, Mason Crosby, Robert Tunyon. Um, not, that's not a, a big story, I guess, in the sense of that they all technically could be back. It's just it'll be on a different contract, which isn't a bad thing either. Pretty much. If they
1: pretty were- much. You would care about would be mesa crosby otherwise everybody else can probably walk i'm thinking well
0: i think it depends on a lot of what you view your roster at right now and and what's your objective for 2023 is now we're still trying to figure out who the quarterback's going to be i think that's a big piece of it i don't think the aaron jones restructure kind of leads you in one way or the other I think in one element you can kind of point to it and say, "Yeah, you know, this is a deal that Rogers wanted this guy back around instead of cutting him." I think you can look at, you know, if you're going to have Rogers back, having that cap room to make some moves. You know, getting it down to four million before you even talk restructure with Aaron because he talked about that being a real, you know, thing that was going to have to happen if he's playing, um, just to get them under the cap, have them have be able to have some room to make a move or two if they need to. Um, Gets you in a nice position that route, but also, if it would be Jordan Love, it gives you a solid option, a true, you know, basically your go-to option in the offense, as of right now, as we kind of wait for Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs and Samari Torre to develop, um, kind of determines on what you're going to do with that, so either way, I don't think it's an indication of what's going to happen, um, or what the Packers want to do at the quarterback position. We had the report Friday from former Packer uh, beat writer Bob McGinn, who said the Packers are disgusted with Aaron Rodgers. And they're, it's time to move on, blah, 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 um, First and foremost, I'm going to say on this program, until it happens, I'm not going to buy either way. I'm not going to buy any report from anonymous sources because we've seen how that well that's gone the last few years. Even with it coming from the team, not the Aaron Rodgers camp. The other element of this that I don't think enough people are talking about, Bob McGinn, for a long time, was a very credible source on Green Bay Packers news. A very talented journalist, had a lot of good information, good insights on the team, definitely a respected member of of Green Bay Packers media coverage. Not going to take that away from him. However, the other flip side of the coin here is he has not been in the building as much in probably about the last 10, 15 years. And it's definitely waned in that time frame. Um, Really, since the Ted Thompson era and Bob McGinn retired from his main beat to kind of go out on his own and do some work for the Athletic, he was denied press credentials because the Packers get to say who gets to come in the building, um, as every NFL team does. And when you're kind of on your independent thing, you kind of lose some of that inside coverage that having an affiliated media outlet brings you. Especially when there's you know hundreds of applications, even if it is a very you know prominent name, if you don't have that backing, you're not going to get in the building just based on your name. Um, so with that in mind, it's kind of one of those things where does he even have credible sources still in the building? He's been doing the national thing, him, him and Ty Dunn for that matter, have been doing the national thing for a while now where they haven't been covering the Packers day in, day out, day in, day out. Um, so I kind of, I, you know, to be honest with you, I question what sources they have and who's even talking to them in the first place.
1: Right. I totally agree with you there.
0: So, Again, I'm not going to disparage those comments. It very well could happen. I'm going to be honest, though. I think on the the other side of this whole thing is if the Packers truly were moving on to Jordan Love, I don't know why they would be making those comments because that basically devalues any trade bait if Rodgers decides to play in 2023. Exactly. Any leverage for deals, which a lot of teams, you know, you see anonymous sources across the league saying that You know, there's not a whole big market for him outside of the Jets and maybe the Raiders. And even the Jets are meeting with, you know, they met with Carr. They're expected to be in on Jimmy G. So you're not going to get a King's Ransom. And you're going to get even less if you're putting that out there that you're moving on. Because you're just going to keep getting called and they're going to lowball you.
2: They should have traded him less.
0: Well, should that that situation even arise? We don't even know if that situation is going to arise. You know, Aaron Rodgers could arise from the darkness and be like, "Yep, I'm uh, I'm calling it a career," and then he retires. You renegotiate the contract. He retires, and Jordan Love's still your guy, and you also have that contract room, and then you don't have to make a trade.
1: So they can still renegotiate his contract at when he retires.
0: Yeah, because so until he signs that paperwork. You're still having dead cap and whatnot. You can renegotiate that. Beg, uh, ben Roethlisberger did this last year where you can negotiate that contract to have a dead cap hit and kind of minimize that dead cap hit where you basically get your your signing bonus, your roster bonus or whatever. They probably wait till after June 1st to officially sign the paperwork. So there's, there's ways to make it happen. It's not, you know, if you tires, you can renegotiate it technically and make it
2: a lot more favorable. Just like oh, any other technical contract, too.
1: Okay, I got you. That makes sense.
0: So as it stands right now, I think, for the Packers' sake, that's maybe the most desirable situation.
1: Yeah, I, that makes that makes the most amount of sense.
0: Financially like, speaking, anyway. But at the same time, I I legitimately you know I know that you know I'm kind of glad Shauna's not on this part because she just called me an Iron fanboy. But I think there is something to be said about I think he gives you a good chance of winning still for next year if he's healthy and if it, you know if he wants to play. Which I think once you kind of get that you know mentality of hey I came out of the darkness I'm going to play in 2023 and I want to be here. I think you know he fully does buy it as he has every year since so.
1: Sorry, I gotta plug my phone
0: in. You're good. <laughs> the downsides of of uh being remote, right?
1: Right. Ugh. Okay. I'm good now.
0: Fantastic. I'm glad, Sean. So yeah, and, and to be honest with you, because he's gonna have to sign off on any trade anyway. I've said it before, I'll say it again. I don't I don't see the jets happening. I think the Jets can offer you, you know, a King's ransom, which they probably would because they like to overspend and they want to get, quote unquote, their guy. But I don't see Aaron wanting to go to the Jets because that's exactly what Brett Favre did.
1: Yeah, that, that's and everything it, I've been seeing, too.
0: And I don't I truly don't think Aaron Rodgers is really that, you know, I, I, I think he's very calculated. I don't think he's like an ego like, oh, Brett Favre did. It. I can't do it. But I think everybody he know he also knows that everyone would say that too. So I don't think it's gonna necessarily influence the decision. But at the same time, like I just
2: I don't buy it. No. No,
1: I could see him going, going other places that aren't the Jets. But it's it's coming down to, it's either he's gonna play or he's gonna retire. That's pretty much what I'm what I'm getting
0: at. Yeah, and I and I've thought that the whole time here too. That's that's always been my line of thinking. So I don't think there's a trade that really makes a whole lot of sense. I don't think there's another city that makes a whole lot of sense. And he even you know to you know again you can read this a million different ways, especially when you have somebody who's as cerebral and smart as Aaron Rodgers. That's kind of like until you make that decision, you can read into his comments a billion different ways. Um, His last appearance of media was on the Pat McAfee show, as it usually is before the darkness retreat. Um, he did say a, that green Bay will always be home and 18 years, you know, it's, it's always going to be home. So that comment, depending on which way you're leaning, it doesn't really sway you off whichever way you're leaning. You could say, yeah, you know, he's ready to move on. He had 18 great years. But he wants to try somewhere else, but this is always, you know, he's kind of reassuring, hey, I love it. You can also look into it from the element of he wants to come back, he loves the city. It's just deciding if he's gonna retire or keep playing. There's a million ways to go into it, especially when you know you kind of get into the, the overthink, the anxiety of it. A million different ways that you can read that comment. But I thought that was a very good comment too.
1: Yep. Yeah, it was. It was very Aaron Rodgers comment. Makes you think. hmm
0: Even when it probably, in all reality, maybe not have actually been that deep.
1: Right, exactly.
0: Which, as we sit here and talk about Aaron Rodgers and, again, the cerebralness and and all that, and just, again, very intelligent human being. We've seen the Jeopardy. You know, he nails Jeopardy when he goes and plays. I I do feel for him a little bit in the sense of, again, you have idiots like us who are reading into these comments he made a week ago, having a discussion about it, having, oh, yep, that's uh, to me that says he's retiring, or to me that says he wants to trade, or to me that says he's coming back, and it gets regurgitated and this, that, and the other thing, and every radio show, every podcast talks about it, and... Then everybody's like, "Oh, yeah, Aaron Rodgers just wants media attention." It's like, no, he he made a comment. It could have been cerebral. It could have been to make that conversation happen. I don't, I don't think he's that media hungry. Yeah, yeah, because I agree. Yeah. I also, I'm gonna go on record. I don't think you go on a darkness retreat and have you know this much introspection in near your, your brain and stuff if you are a media hungry person. You know. <laughs>
1: Do we have proof he went on the darkness retreat?
0: Um,
1: they're, they're, He could just be sitting in his basement right now.
0: Technically, I think you are correct on that. I don't think he's posted anything on social media yet. I think he said he was going to. So I, at this current moment, I don't believe that we have anything that indicates he's actually gone on it yet in that regard.
2: I'm just saying. You never know. He could um, be with Denzel right now. Could be what? Could be with Tom Brady's wife right now.
0: <laughs> I thought we've kind of established he's uh he's with Mallory Edens. If anything,
1: well, maybe maybe he's in
2: Milwaukee then.
0: Maybe there's a lot vote. of places
2: we'll to hide. More. So I don't know. We'll see. We'll see if he
1: posts anything or whatever he's got. So.
0: As of right now, as we sit here at 820, there is nothing on his Instagram that indicates he has posted. He has not posted since the, the Pro-Am.
2: Oh, jeez.
0: Um, just checking Twitter. He has not tweeted since February 7th. He has not... I'm just checking likes to see if he's liked any tweets either. <laughs> he has not liked a tweet in five days either. Oh, okay. So technically he's gone. He's at the very least he's gone dark on social media. From his main account. Because I you know, maybe he has a Kevin Durant burner or something like that, but
2: Very well possible.
0: His main account, he has gone dark. So the timing would add up with the Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, or Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday technically. For that that four day darkness, and if then like, that. what's that?
1: If he made it that long,
0: right? And then you do usually get like I think he said on the Pat McAfee show, you usually do get like a an eight hour kind of recovery or ten, eight to ten hour recovery, get yourself right, um, decompress type situation too. So as of right now, dark on social media. Okay. Which Sean just kind of leads us to as it sits today, February 21st, prediction time.
2: Uh,
1: I think I've changed every week.
2: I think that is the case as well.
1: I think I'm going to go. I think he's going to retire.
0: I'm also leading retire this week. I think I did. I say that last. I'd have to go back and listen. But did I say that last week?
1: Uh, I think you said he was playing last week. I feel like you said he was going to play.
0: How you said he was going to play?
1: I don't remember. Weeks a so, long time.
0: That's <laughs> true. And because it changes so much, I'm like, God, did I say last week? Did I say trade? Did I say retire? Yeah. As of today, February twenty-first, I'm kind of leaning that way. There too.
1: Yeah. I That's think that
0: did. satisfies every need. I think that gets, you know, the Jordan Love crowd happy. I think that gets the the kind of the good way to go out. You're not going to have the, the oh, we played a, a season with the Jets. We played a season with the Raiders, Titans, Colts, whoever. I think that makes everybody happy on every front.
1: Yeah, I agree with it that way.
0: Which also, just for what it's worth, is just, you know, you kind of think about the guys who played a year or two elsewhere. You think, you know, Jordan with the Washington Wizards. Joe Montana with the Chiefs. You know, all those different teams. and I, I think there is something to be said about not doing that. Like, you know, Favre with the the Jets and the Vikings. I mean, he had two really good years out of those three. The Jets year was pretty good until he kind of got hurt towards the end of the season. Kept playing. That first Vikings year was really good. where They were an NFC Championship game. But overall... I, I just think there is something to be said about, you know, the Peyton Manning situation being a little bit different, and truly the Tom Brady situation being a little bit different as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they're kind of the outliers of the whole thing. But, you know, where we sit here, you know, if he plays a year with the Jets or the Colts or the Titans or the Raiders, it's not going to be unless he wins the Super Bowl, which I don't think he's going to with any of those four teams anyway. It's not going to be memorable, even if he does it still is kind of like a, oh, yeah, that happened. Right. Right. So, anyway, one last bit of Packer news. And I know I texted you about this day, Sean. Amon Green's house in Green Bay is up for sale. Uh, If you want to be neighbors with me, that's less than a mile away from my place. Uh, $2.2 million asking price. No.
1: No, I'm good.
0: I said we could go, like, split
1: still i'm good <laughs>
0: what if we split it like five ways
1: <laughs> there's probably enough rooms so that you won't see each other yeah, that's split what i'm saying five ways. But still enough money
0: i saw um in a facebook group i'm part of tag and mini Great.
1: <laughs>
0: <Right. laughs> tag and raz great right. that's hilarious i i love that um but no i I'll, i'm just gonna kind of go through the uh the listing here I thought this was hilarious like i guess I just thought it was hilarious, not necessarily that he's selling it i mean i think I believe the the move is he's going to nebraska full time- or back to nebraska full time uh to live there with his family but
1: he, does he have any kids?
0: I believe so
1: like coming high school age or
0: um I'm not. Well, okay. I know he has kids because he had that uh, that arrest a couple of years ago from the uh, chi- potential child abuse situation that ended up being he was not guilty.
2: Oh, okay.
0: Um, and the case was dropped from lack of evidence and all that stuff, so it wasn't even like a case, but it was something that was alleged. I'd <laughs> be very careful with these, as we saw Brett Favre suing Pat McAfee for potentially one lack of allegedly. Uh, but right. these these were alleged charges that I don't believe came to fruition. Um, so again, looking at the uh the the Zillow reading, there is no offers. The it went up today is a five bedroom, five bath, seven thousand two hundred square feet. Um, at seventeen fifty Limestone Trail and Pier, it was built in two thousand four. Has natural gas and central air, seven attached garage spaces, two point six acres. It's a single-family residence, technically. (laughs) Space space to get away, tucked into 2.6 acres, wooded atop a desirable Spring Hill location. Views of Lambo lit up on game day. This beautiful brick home features three levels of finished RMS for entertaining, relaxing, and hosting. The main level features a four-stall garage, a large mudroom with built-in lockers slash storage, relaxing all-season sunroom, kitchen with concrete counters, a dual oven laundry room, office, and sunken living room. The second story includes a master suite, three additional bedrooms with attached baths, a bonus room, possible six-bedroom, and movie theater with wet bar. The lower level features a rec room, a family room, the full bath, bedroom, and storage. The second parcel includes a 15,000 or 1,500-square-foot gym uh, with equipment not included, full kitchen, Full bathroom with cold immersion tub, three stall garage, in ground pool, and hot tub.
1: Is there an open house for this where we could just go walk through it?
0: Um you have to schedule a tour. I don't know if they uh do any background on that. <laughs> if they make you have some earnest money or like they check to see if you're even if you're just like a looky loo versus a, a potential buyer, but this could be yours for two point two million dollars right it is Just, beautiful for what it's worth it is a very beautiful house
2: should be for two million dollars
0: <laughs> you're not wrong you are not wrong at all
1: i can build a really nice house for two million dollars
2: <laughs> um
0: the next rec- for what it's worth because i'm on zillow right now the next recommended house uh, closest to that price is like five hundred thousand dollars.
1: I know there's one in the in the falls here that's like one point two million. Nice. That they want for it. It's right on the river.
0: Did Amon Green live in it? No. It is kind of cool, just for what it's worth, the uh, the Zillow rate, you know, the Zillow listing has a lot of his um it obviously has his pictures because they have it, They don't have it necessarily stage per se. They have it as it has been. Right. You, you know, his game room has, like, the Batman stuff everywhere, the jerseys that he's had over the years. It's really cool. I mean, just check out the Zillow rating or the listing and you know, all the Packers and, and uh, Batman stuff that he has out and movies and, oh, my goodness. That movie theater is pretty cool, I'm going to say.
2: Still not worth $2.2 million. Well, no, but
0: is it ever?
1: I need a house on 40 acres for 40, 80, 160. <laughs> I do that for $2 million, but
0: not, not for, for two acres.
1: Uh, huh? Not, with not, two for acres. Acres. No, not for two acres.
0: Oh, not for two acres. All right, Sean, as we wrap up here, um, Bar of the week. Do you got one for us?
1: Oh, God. You're putting me on the spot now, aren't you?
0: I am. Mostly because I didn't have one off the top of my head.
2: Um. Otherwise, I do kind of have one. Did, did we? Okay. You go ahead.
0: All right. So I am going to go with technically a bar slash restaurant. They do serve alcohol. Um El Maya, Mexican restaurant. I was telling you about this today, Sean.
2: Yeah. Um, it
0: working. is in the Pier, uh right on Main Avenue. Um 1049 Main Avenue to Pier. They are located in a festival foods kind of strip mall, if you will. Honestly, probably my favorite Mexican food restaurant in Green Bay. Um had I, I'm a very, I guess I should say I'm a picky eater, but I'm a very specific, especially when it comes to like Mexican food. My kind of go-to is always a chicken chimichanga. You're picky. Uh, no, I've kind of grown in my food over the last few years here, but, um, chicken chimichanga, so you can kind of compare it to other places in green Bay, uh, was up there, if not better in that capacity, the best margarita I've ever had in a long time. Um, I got, I, I know Sean, I got like a regular margarita on the rocks. I got a blended banana margarita. It was like a banana smoothie. It was so good. It was like a... That like, sounds terrible. Oh, it was so good. It didn't have... It was almost like a Laffy Taffy or like banana runs. if you like those. No. It no, didn't have that no. artificial banana flavor. It was like a banana smoothie. The only thing it was missing, was if you had like a little bit of chocolate, like a Klua like mixer in there. Yeah. No. would have no. been incredible. Um,
1: Straight up lime margarita is the best.
0: Margaritas were good. Chips and salsa. Um, one kind of, you know, you don't see it a whole lot of places. But they, when you had the chips and salsa come out, came also with a side of uh, refried beans, too.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Which Shauna was all over.
2: Yep. That's
1: this guy.
0: And then, again, uh, 4.2 stars on Google. Uh, some of the reviews. Again, I'm speaking for this very highly. Like I said, I think we went there on Sunday. Probably my new favorite Mexican restaurant in Green Bay. A um, couple of ratings here. We had a five star from James it says this place was a pleasant surprise for carryout. The quality was good. Food was excellent. Got the order right, which is a thing uh, that many restaurants these days are having trouble with. <laughs> um, another Kim says this was a nice surprise. Very authentic Mexican cuisine, very reasonable prices. And then just talking about the food, um, free chips and salsa were delicious. Salsa was good, thick, not runny. So if you like, you know, good thicker salsa, which I do, was good. Um, And very attentive. This also, I can attest to this as well. Another five star from, uh, I believe this is Job. Uh, Very attentive service. Since you walk in the door, you get, you know, with the different tacos, the different size margaritas you can get. Uh, Food was good, reasonable prices. So just again, very very excellent place. Again, the hospitality. You walked in, you're greeted right away. Awesome experience. Check
1: Check it out some night.
0: That is our bar of the week, which leads us to what we are rooting for in the upcoming week. And I'm going to, you know, first of all, I got to say, the polar plunge, very excited to be taking part in that again. Uh, We have officially surpassed our threshold of where we're able to participate. So thank you to those who have donated. And again, just a reminder, still looking for donations as, you know, we kind of hope to surpass that by a little bit more than $2, which we're currently at. Um, So with that in mind, uh, if you choose to donate or you have the ability to donate, please consider doing so. And then my route for on the week, I'm going to go Green Bay Phoenix women's basketball. It's almost tournament time. This really has a feeling of like a, a championship type weekend. Um. Even though it's like Thursday, I think Joe Dotto would put it best when he said this has like a state championship type feel to it, even though it's a regular season game. Um, very excited and very, you know, we're almost to March. We're rate right where it starts getting really interesting with that March Madness build up as the mid-majors start making their conference tournaments. Can't wait. Sean?
1: Uh, I'm... I'm going Polar Plunge, of course, is my route for, and then the benefit for Liam and Jillet. And Which
0: Thursday. will either be Thursday or Saturday, depending on yeah. what.
1: Yep, Thursday or Saturday. So, both of those things, that's that's my route for this week. So, that's where I'm at.
0: Look at the philanthropist, Sean. Right? Talk about all the charity.
1: Yep, all the charity.
0: <laughs> all right. <laughs> With that said, we are in the books for the week of the Root for Wisconsin show. I hope to be back with Justin probably tomorrow night uh, for the Back to the Root show. You can see that on YouTube. Pay attention to our social media channels as we have plenty of content coming up, including that polar plunge video where Sean and I will probably freeze some parts of us off that we don't want to.
1: No, we'll be good. I hope you're right. It can't be any worse than last year.
0: Last year was the coldest it's ever been for that. Like I was miserable.
1: Just make sure you don't break the ladder this year.
0: You broke. Don't even start with that. No, you broke the ladder. You make <laughs> sure you don't break the ladder. I had to find the, ladder, the other ladder because of you breaking it. Don't, don't you dare do that to me.
1: Yeah, make sure, make sure you put your Crocs in four wheel drive again too.
0: Yeah, I lost a Croc oh. last year, and for the second straight time, I lost a pair of sunglasses.
1: Yeah, I still don't know why you jumped with sunglasses last year.
0: It was bright. I thought I had a better grip on them, and then I didn't.
1: Yeah, there you go thinking again.
0: Anyway. <laughs> anyway, on a positive note, thank you all for listening. Pay attention to social media. For plenty of Root for Wisconsin content, I'm Eric. That's Sean for Shauna, Justin and Ramsey not here. We're the Root for Wisconsin show. We're out. See you. Bye.